Hello and welcome to the Be Well, Do Well podcast. I'm excited today to have another conversation with a remarkable entrepreneur who at the age of 40 was successful by all outward measures, but still felt like something was missing. Christine Fuchs is a yoga and wellness coach, as well as an investor and a mentor to startups. And today we're going to be having a conversation about all things related to burnout and rediscovery. Christine, it's good to see you. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here. So nice to be on this podcast. Thank you. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your journey? I mentioned to it just a little bit about when you turned 40, but can you talk about it yourself, please? <laughs> yeah, so I actually came to the U.S. when I was 18 to study because I love the school system here. I grew up in Austria and, and I was very driven from an early age. I think that was to was drilled into me by my parents who were very poor growing up, but then became very successful themselves through very hard work and education. So I was always very driven as well to kind of make make something out of myself. And so I spent, I would say from age 18 to 38, about 38, working nonstop, climbing the corporate ladder, being successful at it. So getting a lot of positive feedback for it. But in the process, I kind of lost myself and I certainly didn't take care of my my body, my my mind. I just, by the time I got to 38, and I don't know why, maybe getting closer to 40 or something. And it was also, that was in 2008 when the financial markets were collapsing and I worked in the financial services industry as a fund manager. It was just a very stressful time. And... I was feeling burnt out. I was overweight. I couldn't sleep. I had constant back aches. I just like, this This doesn't seem right. It, there must be more to this. And I also felt like I had given so much to my career that I've kind of abandoned everything else. And I was just looking for more. And I wanted to feel good in my body. And I also wanted to have a bigger impact with what I was doing in my everyday life. So... It was around that time when I started searching for answers. And it's fascinating when I read about your bio because it's (laughs) very, very similar. I mean, you were were successful in your career. You made good money. But at some point, you felt depleted and you felt like there there was more to be had. And I had exactly that same issue coming up for me around age 38. And I wandered into a yoga class. (laughs) And I am not, I was not a yogi. I, I was kind of fearful of yogis. I had these weird connotations of they're like very spiritual and woo-woo and like I don't fit into that. I'm more the analytical type A person. And, but there was something transformative in that yoga class. Now, I didn't like every aspect of it, but there was something about it. And so... Really, that class got me started on a whole journey that I've been on for the last, well, I'm 52 now. So for the last 14 years where I've become a regular student of yoga and have been to many retreats, many workshops, classes, but also it extended into like just taking better care of myself and how do you integrate wellness and and self-care into your everyday life? So you can actually thrive and succeed without the burnout that I was nearly experiencing at age 38. That's interesting. You're right. We do definitely have similar journeys, right? In the sense that I was 
financially doing well on, you know, on the surface, everything looked good, but then inside it was that emptiness, that hollowness, like, okay, is this all there is to it? Like, did I work this hard just to work this hard? Right. For me, some of the signs of burnout was that I just, I was starting to forget things or I was booking appointments and then I would miss them or I just wouldn't be excited about it. Were there some things in your life, some symptoms or, or, you know, things that you observed and noticed that told you, okay, you know, this is, this is about time I do something before it ends up bad. For me, the signs were that I just wasn't that excited about the work anymore, but also by the end of the day, when I came home from work, I was just wiped. So I would just pour myself a glass of wine. I I had no energy left for anything else besides what my career was taking from me. I also had trouble sleeping. I was starting to get spasms in my back because I wasn't moving enough. I just wasn't happy. It was the physical symptoms really came from all the stress that I had endured that I hadn't found a way to manage yet. And luckily, over the last 14 years, I've learned amazing tools. And now I'm actually a yoga teacher and I teach some of these tools to my clients. So it has been quite a transformation for me coming from a a type A money manager to now teaching yoga and wellness tips to others. So hopefully they can avoid the near burnout that I nearly experienced. Yeah, that's interesting that you had that realization. Now, in in the financial industry that you were in, it's probably normal to overwork and to be constantly moving and to be constantly working. So was it something inside that you felt that was missing or that you were like, okay, I need to make a change? Or did you see others around you? Was it an external or internal thing that influenced you and pushed you towards making a change? I think it was both for me. I noticed that there were a lot of alcoholics in the industry. There were people who were just, they didn't seem happy, but they stayed in the industry because it paid very well. But I felt like they also didn't have a real passion for it. And so my feeling was more like, and I actually vividly remember having a discussion with my father about this, that I didn't feel like my job had a real measurable impact on other people. Impact was too remote for me. Yes, I could say that I improved the the pension fund performance of employees, but it was too remote because I didn't deal with them one-on-one. So I didn't find that satisfaction from doing it. But it was also people were never happy because they always measured themselves next to the other person who made even more money. And It was just crazy. It was like, this is not the life I want to live. Now, I have to say, I'm fortunate in that I was paid good money and it allowed me to make some options that I know some of your listeners might not have. But I think at every level, we need to stop comparing ourselves to the other person who has more because there will always be a person who has more money than you or something that that feels like it's the it's the golden goose and it isn't because money doesn't make you happy. And so, yeah, it was like this internal and external that that was driving me that I wanted to see a change. That's, you know, that brings up something to mind is that sometimes you get caught in this, this vortex where everyone around you is doing the same thing. And so it feels normal to also do the same thing. And then you end up developing bad habits. Like you said, you know, sadly, there's a lot of alcoholics in that industry. And that becomes a habit where you start to go and socialize or you you start smoking or whatever it is to reduce that anxiety. So when you made that change, 
I'm sure it was really hard, or I'm asking maybe, was it really hard to change those habits to being more productive rather than destructive? It certainly took a while. They didn't come right away to me, but I started making some small steps in terms of going to yoga classes. So just moving my body in, in, in a simple way and or going for walks outside in nature too, because that, that really helps clear my mind so much, but also cutting back on alcohol or eating healthier, all those things that were like incremental changes that I made. And it kind of becomes easier and easier over time, I found, because they all kind of feed on each other. So I actually started yoga to kind of help me with my back pain. I had no idea that it would actually help me lose weight because I suddenly felt that body-mind connection and actually wanted to naturally feed my body in a healthier way. It taught me to deal with my emotions so I didn't have to rely on alcohol just to numb those emotions. So there were so many different side effects all coming from one thing and expanding. It was actually quite magical to see it. You're a yoga instructor. And you've done your hours of yoga, you've instructed, you've also done the, the work itself, the yoga practice. One thing that I find really interesting about yoga is that most people start with the goal of becoming healthier, losing weight, maybe, you know, looking more toned. But what I hear often, and, and I'm wondering if you also discovered this or experienced this, is that they end up finding more internal benefits right? More mindset benefits rather than external physical looks, looking benefits. So was that something that you also found? Is that your outlook changed on life? I think that's very true. I think most yoga students come to yoga to either get fit or build strength or become more flexible, mm -hmm. lose some weight. I mean, that's what initially brought most of us to the yoga practice, right. including myself. For me, it was actually dealing with my back pain, but also certainly right. wanting to lose weight at the, at the same time as well. And I hadn't appreciated all the other benefits that came from it, like really the mind. I mean, we're so busy all day long. We're bombarded with information. I mean, just scrolling down on social media, it's, it's amazing what our mind needs to process every microsecond. And taking a time to be with yourself on a yoga mat and kind of disconnecting from all the demands that are calling on us and just tuning in and reconnecting with our body it's just, it's, it's so transformative. It's very hard because most of us right. have lost that connection with our bodies, including myself. I mean, I remember going to my first few yoga classes and the, the instructor said, well, what do you feel? I'm like, what do you mean, what do I feel? I don't know. What do you feel? <laughs> it's like, I was so out of touch with my yeah. own body and what I was, what I was feeling even, or just when connect with your breath, I'm like, wow, what, 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 how do you do that? Or you do Shavasana at the end of the yoga class, which is basically, it's called corpse pose. I hate that name, but where you're lying at the end of the yoga class to really bring together all the learnings and embody all the learnings, the teachings from the yoga class. But that also felt kind of strange to me at the beginning. And like, what am I supposed to do over here? I'm supposed to do things. I have things to do. I put right. the whole to-do list I need to do. And you want me to just be here quietly for a few minutes? But once you kind of let it 
flow over you and kind of let let yourself experience just some me time and kind of getting in tune with your body. It's just it 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 transforms your entire life. And you might have heard that from other yogis, and it's hard to explain it right. until you actually do it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna ask you another thing that's probably hard to explain as well is why is it that after doing yoga, most people think that exercise will make you tired, but why is it that after doing yoga, you actually feel more energy? Well, I think it's because you have been connecting with your breath and you have been creating energy in your body and you just calmed your mind. And so that would be, there might be a more scientific reason why you'll feel more energetic, but that's, that's the reason for me. Right. No, you do the yoga as well. What do you, what do you think? Well, I think that the, the point that you made about calming your mind is a big thing, right? As an entrepreneur, as a business owner with kids and, you know, a family, it's, there's always thoughts flying around in the monkey mind, right? So when I go and do yoga first, I feel like I'm being interviewed now. <laughs> first, the, the main thing is that you're setting aside that time and you're saying, okay, I'm going to, you know, for me, it's 6.30 to 7 in the morning. So 6.30 to 7 is my exercise time, whether it's yoga or stretching or other kinds of exercise. But as soon as I set that time, I've made that intention that I'm going to stop working up until then. And I'll, I'll work up until then, and then I'll stop. So the intention of taking time away from work for me is a big part. But also, and, and you alluded to this, is that you're working on your breath, you're moving, you're stretching. Breathing, I think, is one of those things that we do so poorly. I don't think in our society we breathe very well. And I notice this all the time is that sometimes at home with my, my kids or my wife, other times, if I'm talking to a business owner, it's very shallow and mouth breathing, and you don't see that calmness, that, that deep breath in and out, where it's always kind of like, okay, even though I'm having this conversation with you, sometimes I'm having conversations with other business people, is that I notice that their mind isn't there. It's somewhere else, right? They may be looking at me on camera, but their internal eyes are somewhere else. So for me, I think that's a big part is just stopping the thoughts, focusing on this, and then going back to it again. That's a beautiful way of putting it. I would also say another way of looking at it is learning to be in the moment. Because mm -hmm. how many times do we, as you said, you're talking to somebody and that person is already thinking about what yes. they're going to respond to you rather than actually <laughs> listening to what you're saying. Yeah. So just learning to stay in the moment and forget the past, forget the what do you have to do in the future and just be in the here and now is is a wonderful practice that we can all develop yeah easy to say hard to do and Absolutely. that's again that's why it's called a practice right you keep doing Absolutely. it over and over again i've so, been doing yoga now for 14 years and i feel like i'm i'm a student and i'm a teacher so a lifelong learner amazing amazing can you tell us a little bit about your daily routines daily routines um well, when I think about what has really been transformative for me from being like near burnout to where I'm now, which is I'm calmer, I don't snap at people much, I lead a healthier lifestyle. Now, that doesn't mean I live a perfect life, far from it, so believe right. me, but and it's, it's always continuous work. But I, I would bring it down to three simple things. One is to really value sleep and make sleep a priority. The second is to spend more time in nature going for walks. And the third is to start a regular yoga practice. Those are the three main things that I have done for myself and then I've seen many of my clients 
when they start implementing those things, it really, they really see a transformation. And so the, probably I'm the best when it comes to my, my sleep routine. Okay. I, I value my sleep over anything. And I think you, you actually had an episode about sleep where you talked about the perfect routine for bedtime mm -hmm. right. on one of your podcasts. So I yes. encourage listeners to go back to that. But for me, my bedtime routine during my stressed out times mm. used to be I come home from work, I get some candy or a piece of chocolate to get my energy up. I pour myself a glass of wine. Then I see, okay, what am I going to eat tonight? Oh, let's see what's in the freezer, some, some prepackaged item or maybe get some takeout food. And then I spent the evening watching Netflix with a glass of wine and I'm too tired to do anything else. That used to be kind of my evening routine. And then I would right. go to bed and then I would wonder why I couldn't sleep very well because I'd just been drinking alcohol. I was watching screens, everything. Mm -hmm. All so the worst things you can do. Exactly. <laughs> and so I have changed my evening routine dramatically and it really has made a big impact in my life because I think most of us, we're not getting enough sleep. We, as you know, we live in a society where we value when people say, I can go on on just five hours of sleep or I'm going to work really late tonight. It's not productive. So I get my eight hours of sleep virtually every night. Um, it really takes a special occasion for me yeah. to give up that sleep because I know it is so important to me and makes my day so much more productive and more joyful. Mm -hmm. So my, my rules are one is make sleep a priority. So say no to invitations in the evening that you're not super, super excited about. Right. Now, of course, if there's a great birthday celebration or something, I'm, I'm going to join it. But then don't use your screens two hours before you go to bed, whether it's watching TV, whether it's looking on your iPhone, really put those away. So for me, I actually, I mean, you will be shocked, but as I'm like, I come across as an old lady and I'm only 52. I go upstairs into my bedroom around 8, 8.30 and read great books for about an hour, two hours. And okay. then by, by 10 o'clock at night, I am out and I fall asleep right away. So that means I haven't looked at any screens for the last two hours. I haven't eaten anything for the past two hours. I also, I don't drink any alcohol anymore, but if, if I, that's not, might not be for everybody, but at a minimum, don't drink any alcohol a couple of hours before you go to bed because it might help you fall asleep faster, but the quality of your sleep is so much worse. And uh, also the other thing I do is if when my mind is racing a bit, when I go to sleep, I actually sit down first and spend a few minutes writing down what my goals are for the next day. So I get it out of my head and onto paper. This way I don't ruminate about it when I'm trying mm -hmm. to fall asleep. Another beautiful practice some of your listeners might enjoy is actually doing a gratitude journal at night where you just write down three things that you were grateful for during the day. I know that might sound a little bit woo-woo, and when somebody first introduced this to me, I was like, woo That sounds a bit strange. I don't do those kinds of things, but it really makes a difference, and it's scientifically proven, actually, to make you a happier person when you train your brain to think about positive things that happen in your day. And those could be tiny little things, like your daughter made a drawing for you or something like that. It just retrains our brain to be more positively thinking. 
Yeah, that's exactly what we do. And if you listen to that episode, like you mentioned, right, there's the one, two, three. You start with one thing you're going to work on tomorrow, get it out of your head so you're not thinking about it at night. And then two things you can improve on and three gratitudes that you have for the day. We, we do this with our kids. Every night we ask them what their three gratitudes are. Unless they're really, really tired, we'll say, what's one big gratitude? And I don't know how scientists would ever test this, but I've heard that the thought that you go to sleep with is the thought that you wake up with or the feeling that you go to sleep with is what you wake up with. So if you go to sleep rushed or tired or, you know, irritated, you're going to wake up like that too. And, you know, from experience, I can say, yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. I like that. Yeah. You mentioned going out for walks. So you're in Boston. Your weather is good in wintertime. But do you still, I'm curious, do you still go out rain or shine if, you know, if you feel like this is the time I need to go out and get some nature? I do go out most every day. It really has to be terrible weather for me not to go outside. Now, my dad is 84 years old and he lives in Vienna and he walks 12,500 steps every single day. Wow. And it is amazing to see how and both physically and mentally alert it is keeping him. So it's wonderful to see. And it's one of those, I mean, wasn't it even Thomas Jefferson who said like over 200 years ago that walking is the best possible exercise and we need to do it more. So sometimes we kind of look for the hottest new trend, but (laughs) (laughs) just keep it simple. And uh, so walking briskly, even if it's just for 15 minutes, walking around the block, Or parking your car a little bit further away from your destination and walking to that destination, I think makes a big difference. And then, of course, being in nature adds another great bonus point to it. So one way for me to incentivize myself for those daily walks is I love podcasts. I mean, I listen to so many podcasts. And so I promise I get to listen to podcasts as I go for my walk. So that's my kind of little incentive to be to be able to listen to podcasts as I go for my walk. Yeah, I listen to podcasts or audiobooks all the time when I'm walking in it. You're right. It, it, you you sort of get a lot more out of your walk if you were doing that. I mean, you can also do some mindful walking, but when you're using a podcast, do you, do you have any recommendations, any podcasts that you think our listeners would enjoy? Ooh, well, I tend to listen to a lot of podcasts for yoga teachers, so your audience probably wouldn't might I wouldn't be interested in that. But some of my favorite, oh, how I built this with Guy Guy Raz, where yeah. he interviews founders and CEOs of popular or well-known brands. It is fascinating to learn how they built their businesses. Motivation with Brendan Bouchard is a good one. And one very small one that most of your readers will probably have never heard of. It's called The Sweaty Penguin. (laughs) And it's by a fellow called Ethan Brown. And he's a recent Boston University graduate. So he's in his early 20s or so. And in this podcast, he discusses issues and solutions around climate change. But he does it in a really funny way. Okay. So... Look for the sweaty penguin. Sweaty penguin. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on my list because that sounds really funny. Right. That is hilarious. Do you right. have any productivity hacks that you use when you feel, you know, kind of in a slump and you're like, hmm, don't feel it today? Do you have any hacks that you use to get you out of that slump? For me, what really works is setting the timer for, in my case, it's 50 minutes of completely uninterrupted work time. I'm basically either the day before or the morning off, I decide, okay, these are 
the one or two things I need to accomplish today, everything else is gravy, would be lovely to do. But these right. are the two things I need to do. And then I actually block in my calendar, okay, I'm going to have, here I'm going to have 50 minutes of completely uninterrupted time. And then later, another block of 50 minutes uninterrupted time. And I find that when I then turn off my phones, don't check my emails, be completely in the flow on mm -hmm. that particular project, I get so much more done than when I have a list of 15 things and I don't actually schedule them and make room to actually purely be focused on those particular tasks. So that really helps me. Yeah, wonderful. And when you're in the flow, I remember reading or listening to a podcast episode. I'm trying to think of who the two people were on this. It was James Clear and somebody else. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. And he said that the requirements or the conditions for flow is your environment. So if you have an office, you go to your office and then that helps you get into flow. And the other is beverages, surprisingly. So for me, when I sit down, I like to have in the morning, I like to have a chai. And so I'll have my tea, my chai, and I'll drink that. And that just helps me kind of get in the zone. Do you have a favorite drink that you keep on hand when you're trying to get into the flow? Or is it just water? I don't. For me, it's water and especially a lot of sparkling water. So my soda stream is being used all day long. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a big believer in staying hydrated. So I drink a lot and lot of water. It really helps me. The other productivity hack for me is finding out when you're most productive during the day. And I know you have a quiz on your website, but for me, my most productive times are in the morning. So I, and I kind of call it eating the frog. If there's something I need to do that I really don't want to do, right. it's the first thing I do in the morning to kind of get it out of the way. And then, because otherwise you know, you know, you have to do it. It's hanging over your head. And it, 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 it just, it makes, it creates stress and it doesn't help you in actually getting it done. So yeah, eating the frog first thing in the morning, which doesn't sound like an appetizing thing, but it's, it's really the way to go. And taking breaks also after that 50 minute block, I then get up and I stretch my body or mm -hmm. go for that walk outside or do something to kind of reset and then maybe have another 15 minute block of time. And for me, my mornings are the most productive. If you ask me to get something really meaningful done in the afternoon, good luck. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's normal. You're, I think what you're referring to on my website is the chronotype quiz where it shows your energy level throughout the day. And so you and I are definitely larks. We're morning larks. And then you've got your dove in the middle and you've got your owl at the end of the day. So the night owls that sleep. And uh, definitely, I think, you know, you're right when it comes to having energy in the morning, getting that frog done. Now, just, just as an aside, have you ever noticed that those things, that the frogs that you need to eat that feel so big, sometimes you finish and you're like, ah, oh, that was so easy. I could have done that <laughs> yesterday or I could have done that last week. Yeah. Absolutely. We envisioned as such a yes. big project is going to take me such a long time. And once you get it done, it's like, wait, this wasn't so bad after all. Yeah. The little trick I use for myself is sometimes I just break bigger tasks into much smaller. What's the one first initial step that I need to do? And I find that once I take care of that, it mm. kind of opens up that, oh, this isn't going to be so bad. It right. kind of takes that fear away. And then you, you lose that sense of dread and actually just move into it. That is probably my favorite hack as well, is just, I call it the irreducible minimum. 
So what's the smallest thing I can do where I can't go any smaller? And, you know, it might literally be just opening up a document if I'm writing a post and just put a title, stop there, right? And usually you don't stop there. <laughs> you usually keep going after that. So one, one last question I have for you. So Christine, is there anything that people would be genuinely surprised to learn about you? Oh, that's a good question. People think I'm an extrovert because they show me posting yoga videos on Instagram, making reels, yeah. being on YouTube, all those things. So they think, oh, she must really enjoy creating these things. I'm a deep introvert. <laughs> so, and I just, I need my quiet time to recharge my batteries. But I love connecting with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis and helping people. But yes, I'm, a, I'm definitely an introvert to the core. So most people will be surprised to see that. It's always funny to me that entrepreneurs often are introverts. <laughs> and so I love that. Well, this has been really fun. I love getting to know about you and about the work that you're doing, the fact that we have very similar journeys. And is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? Is there something that's got you really fired up right now that you're working on? Oh, yes. I'm really excited because I want to introduce more people to yoga, especially yoga to people who are maybe in their 40s, 50s, 60s, who feel like going to a yoga studio is too intimidating and they don't feel like kind of they fit in because that's certainly how I felt when I started yoga in my late 30s. And so... All my yoga teachings are online via Zoom, and I actually love doing that because that allows my students to do it from the comfort of their home and, and without the intimidation you have from doing it next to some skinny 20-year-old. So if any of you readers have been thinking about starting yoga but have been too intimidated to start it, I invite them to go to my website. My website is www.wellnessyogachristine.com. Dot com and Christine is spelled with a C-H. And yeah, I'm really excited about introducing yoga to more people who might not go to a yoga studio. And yeah, and when they go to my website, they will also see that I have a starter guide to yoga. It's a free 10-page PDF download. So if they're curious about learning more about yoga, I invite your listeners to go and download it and check it out. Well, that's amazing. That's very generous of you, Christine. Thank you so much. I really had a good time chatting and I'm excited about your yoga class. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Amin. This was so great to chat with you. Absolutely. Take care, Christine.